And a great pleasure to uh, welcome to our Book Talk segment. I've been looking forward to talking to uh, this man. He's uh, written a great book along with uh, Lon Davis about uh, the Rat Pack. More specifically, uh, uh, Joey Bishop, who was part of the Rat Pack, and it's called Deconstructing the Rat Pack, Joey, the Mob, and the Summit. Uh, as we're coming up, I guess we're already in the 60th anniversary of uh, kind of the birth of the Rat Pack. Of course, talking about Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and uh, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Lawford, and Joey Bishop uh, out in Las Vegas where they uh, really uh, put that town uh, even more on the map than it was. And we're joined today by Richard A. Lertzman, who is also here in uh, Florida, not too far away from us. And he joined us to talk about the book for a few minutes, tell some stories about uh, the Rat Pack. And Richard, great to talk with you. How are you? Great to talk to you, Doug. I appreciate the time. Yeah, I, I just talking to you before we went on there that I, I saw you do a, an interview with a mutual friend, but I also, uh, before that, saw a blurb on uh, online about it, and I, I tweeted you, so I'm glad we could uh, connect tonight to talk about the book. I've always been a fan of uh, of uh, that era, a little bit before my time, but uh, I've been able to uh, become pretty good friends with uh, Dean Martin's daughter, Dina. She's been with us many times, so it's always great to talk yeah. about the Rat Pack. Yeah, Dina's a friend of mine, and I'm doing a show with Dina coming up in a couple of weeks. Oh, great! Yeah, she's 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 a wonderful person. Her, she and her husband are doing, uh, a, a, I guess, a Friday afternoon show. They've been uh, doing it every week since the uh, pandemic hit, so they're getting a lot of publicity from that. Since you can't go on the yeah, road, her, I guess. <laughs> yeah, her and John John are just great people. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, about uh, your interest in it. I know you've written other books. I should mention, uh, kind of uh, dealing with showbiz people. Uh, uh, you wrote a book about Mickey Rooney and uh, about Peter Falk and uh, Doctor Feelgood, who was kind of an infamous doctor among uh, yeah. showbiz folks. So you've always had an interest in, in show business, haven't you? Yeah, I went to film school, and I and uh, I love the era. I love the Rapac era, and I've always been fascinated with uh, a lot of the people involved in the comics and and people involved. And, and along the way, uh, because of my family in Cleveland, uh, I got to know a lot of the mobsters who came from Cleveland and went out to Las Vegas and put, took their money out with them and, and opened up a lot of the big hotels. Uh, in, in men like Mo Dalitz and Max Diamond and uh, Carl Cohn. So it, it, it's a fascinating mix of how the mob, you know, all, most of these great performers had to work at mob clubs and they, they dealt with the mob. Doesn't mean they were in the mob, but you know, Frank and Dean and Sammy and Joey had a deal with these guys as uh, performers. I don't know if you saw it, uh, not too long before she passed away, Rosemary, a great documentary on her life. And, of course, she started out as a child, and uh, I believe she uh, worked uh, for Al Capone at one time. So uh, I don't know if you saw that, but yeah. it was a great kind of similar to what uh, the Rat Pack I, did. I did. I knew Rosie, and Rosie actually worked in Las Vegas at the opening of the Flamingo Hotel. Right. And she insulted uh, Benny Siegel, Bugsy Siegel, at that opening. They became friends, and she was the fair-haired girl of of a lot of the mob clubs because of her dad and her connections. Yeah, it's just interesting uh, to kind of look at the history of not only show business, but Las Vegas. I mean, whatever you think of the mob, uh, they, they gave us a great place to go visit, <laughs> even though they may not be there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, they used to be nice. That's Hopefully right. in the future we can go back there. But, you know, it, it's fascinating because, um, you know, Frank owned 9% of the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas. And uh, Mo Dalitz and Money from the East, uh, guys like uh, Frank Costello and Meyer Lansky, they all had invested in, in Las Vegas. And they knew that the number one attraction to draw them in would be Frank Sinatra. He was the magnet. So 
uh, and when they opened up at 58, they, they gave Frank 9% of the hotel. And Frank used to go down to these great shows. I don't know if you remember. He was a great uh, band leader and, and conductor and, and composer. His name was Louis Prima. Oh, sure. And Lou, Louis and his wife, Keely Smith, and a guy named Sam Butera, who was the, uh, the sax player, had this like freewheeling act where the, the band would joke around and they'd be crazy. And Frank would come down and go to the Sahara Lounge where they, where they appeared. I would watch Prima and his wife and watch this loose act and he just loved it. And he always envisioned getting his buddies together and doing a loose act like Prima did. So uh, the, the, this guy named Al Freeman was this brilliant publicist who was, he had worked for Frank Sinatra for his, his publicist in the past and they lured him to Las Vegas. And Freeman, they, the idea of the guys, the Bob is, they had thrown tons of money to build these great resorts, but they were only drawing people from Los Angeles. And they wanted to get people from uh, Chicago and New York and St. Louis and Miami and all over. They wanted them to fly to Las Vegas and get a destination spot. And they came to Frank and they said, Frank, what if you got your buddies together and we did this monumental event and, and we lured everybody in. So Frank loved the idea. And he, and he told him about the Louis Prima and so he put together, he had worked with, just worked with Dean Martin. And Dean had, you know, broke up with Jerry. And now he's, he did a film called Some Come Running. And Dean, uh, he wanted to work with Dean. Sammy Davis Jr. just had a, a car accident and had lost an eye. Right. And, and Frank really nursed him back to health. And Sammy was a favorite in Las Vegas. Although it was very, very uh, polarized, you know, very, uh, uh, it was very racist in those days. So he wanted Sammy to be a part of it. And then, you know, uh, he, he really, he had been on the outs with a guy named Peter Lawford. Peter was in films at MGM the same time Frank was. And Peter became friends with Frank. But Peter started gossiping to Ava Gardner about Frank's exploits and almost broke up their, their relationship. <laughs> so he, he, got, he almost killed Peter Falk and did talk to him for years. But when Peter got uh, married to Patricia Kennedy, Frank became fascinated with that. Peter showed him a script he was shopping around called Ocean's Eleven. And Frank loved it. It was a Vegas heist film. It was uh, right up Frank's alley. So Frank uh, went to Jack Warner. Jack Warner said, great, let's do the film. And Frank brought it to the guys in Vegas and said, what if we shot this on location? Just the stand as the stands as the center of it. But, you know, you can't cut out the other mob guys. So they, all the hotels had to be involved because... You don't step on toes in Las no. Vegas. <laughs> so he said, let's get them all involved. So what they did was, during the day, they, they brought in Lewis Milestone, who was a great director. They shot Ocean's Eleven during the day. And at night, they did two shows every night for 28 straight nights. At 8 and at 12, they did, they did a show. And every night they featured, uh, one night they featured Dean, one night it was Sammy, one night it was Frank. You couldn't feature Peter because Peter didn't do that much. And Joey was kind of the straight man of the, of the group. There he is, folks. Welcome to the Sons of Italy banquet. How about the good the mafia does? Fine organization. Can I ask you a question? Yes. You got a present for me? I'll get you a pickle. 
Empty table. Let's have a meeting with Mr. Entrada. Right over there, look at that. There's a table empty. Oh, that's not That's my following. <laughs> Can I ask you guys a question? No. Now that he's well, off the stage, well, this yeah. is his night. According to our schedule, this is his night, right? Right, Frank. Whatever you say, you son of a gun. Wait a minute. Hold it there, chicken baby. You, you want to meet early tomorrow? We'll look for furniture? I want to thank the Benet Brith for this trophy. Be All right. Will you please? Hear this. How come that I am on the stage? I have to work Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right? Peter is Sammy's partner if you want to discuss it. Get in there, Peter. Say something British. <laughs> something British? You got... You guys were supposed to be working tonight. I don't know what I'm doing out here. And on top of that, I feel there's something. Shut your mouth. You'll get a rough on your slide. A lot of you think he's not humble. <laughs> now, listen. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not complaining about being out here if it was his night. Tonight, at least look, I'm regular. I put on a tuxedo, right? Right. I say, if you look dead, dress dead. Well, as long as I'm here, I'd like to say a few words about Senator Kennedy. Well, that's right, Frank. If he gets in, you'll be ambassador to Italy. I just want to be in charge of the wax. Excuse me, I got a, I, I got a, a cap. If anybody should know. springtime I love Vegas in the fall I love Vegas in the winter when it drizzles I love Vegas in the summer when it fizzles I love Vegas every moment It's possible. I 
children under a tree. There'll be pennies from heaven for you. It really featured them, and you couldn't get a ticket. Seven bucks a ticket, and you wow. got dinner, but you, don't, you couldn't get a ticket. The stands had 270 rooms. They sold 35,000 rooms and just when they announced it. And people converged from everywhere. I mean, everybody, it was the place to be seen, to be there. To be, everybody wanted to be a part of this event, and it was the mega event of, of, of that era. Um, and, and the talent of Frank Sinatra was so amazing. And Dean Martin was so cool, such a great voice and such a talent. And Sammy Davis Jr. could do it all. He could sing, he could dance, he, he, he uh, did impersonations. He was great on stage. And then they brought, Frank had an opening act, and that was Joey Bishop. And it was Joey's good fortune. He was the opening act for, for, for uh, Frank at that time. So he got, he lucked out and he came the straight man to the group and roll on the bar on the stage. And, all <laughs> and, uh, and Peter, they found something for Peter to do, you know, well, one time Peter, uh, rejected a line that Joey had given him. And, uh, so, uh, he, so Joey went to, to Frank and Frank said, Peter, you say the line, you say what Joey wrote you or you don't say anything at all. You're not <laughs> in the act. So, so they, it really combined for this incredible event for 28 straight days. And, and so the, here's guys, but you know, the truth is, you know, there's, there's a myth, which is that these guys were out partying and womenizing and having, having all, all kind of, 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 of trysts with women and, and drinking, but they were, they were in their mid forties. And the fact is that Dean came to Las Vegas with Jeannie, his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank had, uh, uh, Sammy had Babe Britt, who was about to get married to. Joey had Sylvia, his wife. And Patricia Kennedy was there with Peter. So it really, you know, it was a, they were very, in fact, these were disciplined, very disciplined performers. And, you know, someone just recently told me, I did a, a, an interview with someone who, was, and they, were, they went to the, uh, to the shows, and they said they, they went to an 8 o'clock show, and they went to a 12 o'clock show, and the shows were almost identical. Mm. So as improv as it looked, it was very structured, and it was loose by look. But in fact, it was very structured, and they knew exactly where they were going to go. Yeah, but yeah. these were these guys were so great that they could pull it off. I say, I wish I was around that era. Uh, there is some film you can see on YouTube. Actually, oh, somebody must have had a camera in the back of the the showroom because there's about uh, three or four video you've probably seen them, I'm sure of of most of their act so at least you get to see what it was like a little bit you know yeah you see that there's a there's a later in 65 they they did a, a, a charity event for the, the St. Louis one, house yeah. in, in right. St. Louis yeah that had Johnny Carson by that time Joey was out of it and Peter was out yeah, I want to get to that in a little bit he was on the outs but uh, there's yeah. some film of actually of them at the Sands I guess a couple of different performances and, and you really get an idea of it. the sound isn't that great and, the, and it's a little fuzzy but you do get an idea of what it was like yeah and it, 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 it well, you'd love to be a part of it because it just looks like it was electric like it was 
just such a, a, a great atmosphere. And here it is, it's 60 years later, and we're still talking about the Rat Pack. Yeah. And it really only lasted, it really was that year. That was the year of the That was Rat about Pack. it, right. Yeah. yeah, that was it. So, And we're still talking about it 60 years later. Well, let's talk, uh, and again, your book, Deconstructing the Rat Pack, Joey the Mob and the Summit feature focuses on, on Joey Bishop, uh, a comedian. Now, my first uh, exposure to Joey Bishop, I was a kid. I guess the first time I got to stay up late on the weekend, or you know, Friday night and watch The Tonight Show. I remember he used to be the guest host at that time, and uh, that's my first uh, uh, exposure to watching Joey on TV. And then since then, you know, you go back and see some of the sitcom he did. We can talk about that as well, but uh, he was kind of a, a professional fill-in host for Johnny for a long time. Time. Yeah, he started out. He filled in for Jack Carr, and then he fell into. He went. He followed that Tonight Show with Johnny, and Johnny liked him because he kept his ratings up. You know, he filled in perfectly. He didn't. He didn't uh, challenge Johnny in any way, and uh, he was. You know, he had a lot of good writers, but he was, in, in truth, he was more of a journeyman comic. He was. Right. He wasn't Jack Benny. He wasn't George Burns. He wasn't. Uh, uh, he wasn't Don Rickles. He was he was a journeyman comic who fell into the right place because he was a mob comic. He worked 25 years for the mob in, in all their clubs all throughout the country. And they paired him up with Frank in the, in the uh, early 50s, and he stayed with him for about 10 years. And he was great because Frank didn't want a Don Rickles or a Secky Green or a Buddy Hackett or one of those guys. They, they blow up the room too much. Yeah, you don't yeah, want somebody yeah, to blow up the room, yeah. Yeah, they sucked the air out, and he just wanted someone to get it warmed up for him and to come out. And Joey did that. Joey didn't offend anybody. His humor wasn't blue, and you know, it just uh, is exactly what Frank wanted. Like he later had Pat Henry, and he had other comedians like that. Did you ever get a chance to see Joey's act uh, anywhere? Or uh, there's not much available on YouTube. You know, it was for like a full act, maybe ten, fifteen, even half hour. Is there anything out there, or have you seen it? I've seen it, and I, and I, I got to know Joey for about twenty years. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, it's Joey's act is more of a storytelling. He did some crowd play. He went out in the audience and and talked to people, and he could joke around. He was. Right witty in that way um but you know nothing exceptional nothing you're gonna you're gonna go back and you're gonna remember something that like rickles would insult someone or or uh <laughs> buddy hackett gave some great off-color stories but joey was in in that realm but i got to know joey for about 20 years and and, and he and i heard a lot of great rat pack stories from him and, and you know to joey the crowning achievement of his career was being the MC at the uh, presidential inaugural in 1961 right. when uh, John Kennedy was inaugurated, and uh, that was the high point for Joey. Yeah, again, I, the little bit I saw him as a kid, and then uh, later on, you know, I always thought he was well, okay. Uh, the, the sitcom, he was more like a Jack Benny type, didn't really get the laughs. He was kind of the straight man, but uh, again, yeah, you wouldn't say he would, you know, he didn't put you on the floor laughing. He was kind of semi amusing. Is that fair yeah, to say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they call they call him the frown prince of comedy. Right, that was a great line you had in your book. Yeah, I had not heard that one before. And he's just very stone faced. When 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 he hit it big with the Rat Pack, they look for something on television. So there's a great uh, writing and comedy production team of Sutherland and Danny Thomas. They right. did the Danny Thomas show and the Andy Griffith show and Dick Van Dyke and I Spy and all these other great shows. 
and they came up with a concept for Joey. And the first concept had Joey as a publicist, and it had Warren Berlinger as uh, his brother, and Marlo Thomas, who was Danny's right, daughter, right. obviously, played his sister, and it was awful. It was a horrible concept. I, I saw a couple of them. You can watch them on one of the Roku channels or something. I found it. Yeah, a little rough. <laughs> yeah, it's on Amazon Prime, or you can watch it on MeTV if you get MeTV. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really rough show. And Warren Berlinger, I interviewed him, and he just passed just away. Just passed. Last I week. saw that the other day. I always liked him. He's kind of one of those actors you, you see the face, and you maybe not quite sure who he was. I, I knew the name, but yeah, good, good, good guy, good actor. Yeah, good actor, and, and, uh, and the nephew of Milton Berle. Right. Yeah. And uh, and Warren, had, I called him up, and I said, Warren, and I, he said, Why would you talk about that? And he, he yeah, went into I know, like in the a, book, he didn't he didn't like talking about. It. <laughs> no, he just it was like a rough period because. Joey was just awful. And Joey had great writers. He had they brought in the best of the best writers. One of them was a guy named Milt Josephsberg. Milt, oh sure. Who Milt wrote the years and for years and years for Jack Benny. And and writing for Jack Benny was a pleasure because Jack appreciated his writers. He treated them well, and and it paid off because Jack was such a great comic. So when he went to work for Joey, and they he went to work with Sheldon Leonard. You know, one show that Bill wrote was Joey had a twin brother, yeah. <laughs> had a twin cousin, and Joey's getting angrier and angrier through the week. So Joey finally, and Milt's this little diminutive guy, uh, quiet, you know, scholarly, and Joey grabs him and starts shaking him, and he goes, why did you write my, my twin cousin to be funnier than I am? <laughs> Everybody's going, Bill, you know, Bill could explain it to Joey, and and, and I talked to Gary Marshall, who uh, started his, you know, he began his career on the Joey Bishop show. Yeah. And he just, uh, he said he stuck with it because it was like a, a master's course. And if you get through this, you're going you're gonna to succeed. And, and Gary Marshall did. Ready, girls? One, two. Ziggity boom, rah, rah. Ziggity boom, rah, rah. Welcome to the Joey Bishop Show. The Joey Bishop Show. Joey Bishop. Also starring Abby Dalton with Corbett Monica, Joe Besser, Mary Treen, and Joey's guest star tonight, Bobby Rydell. I'd heard stories, and you, know, you listen to different shows. Uh, I don't know if you've been on the, the Gilbert Gottfried podcast. If not, I'm sure they're going to call you, but they do a lot of showbiz stories, and Joey Bishop's name always comes up as uh, one of the guys uh, nobody really liked working with, <laughs> and you talk yeah, about it in the book. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be at Gilbert in a, in a couple of weeks, yeah. but uh, Joey is a guy that just, um, he burned every bridge you could I mean, imagine. really terrible. It wasn't every- just like 
you know, Milton Berle could be difficult, but he wasn't a bad guy. This guy comes across really rotten at times. Yeah, every, every time I talked to, I had a friend named Rocky Kalish, and Rock, oh, his name was Austin Kalish. His nickname was Rocky. And he create, He was one of the co-creators of Gilligan's Island. Oh, sure. And he wrote everything, All in the Family and, and every show. And the minute Joey died, I was getting joke emails from Rocky Kalish, who was then in his late 80s, of how much he hated Joey Bishop. <laughs> I mean, you know, I talked to Sheldon Leonard, who could, you know, Sheldon produced the show. And I said, Sheldon, why, you know, I'd like to meet Joey Bishop. He goes, why would you want to meet that Meshuggah? <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, it's like a crazy man. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it just, Joey burned every bridge in his way, including Frank Sinatra along the way. Um, he well, let's talk about that because uh, you mentioned before he was not on that St. Louis show, the one that most people have probably seen now on, on YouTube. But Johnny Carson filled in. Uh, what, what was the actual story there? Well, Joey, Joey, you know Frank did everything for Joey. He got him into the Rat Pack. He opened up the doors for Frank, uh, for Joey. He, you know, Joey was in Ocean's Eleven. Then Joey did got a little bigger part in Sergeant's Three. So he called up Joey to appear at the. You know, Frank owned a piece of the Caldiva Hotel in Reno Tahoe. Mm. He owned it with the Sam Bobo Giancana. And he was supposed to appear in a weekend. He said, Joey, I need you to fill in for me. And when Frank asked, you do it. I mean, the guy. He wasn't asking you. He was telling you. <laughs> yeah, he's telling you. You know, but, you know someone told me once, if you have Frank Sinatra as a friend, you don't need another friend. That's it. I mean, that's how he was, he was good to the people. They were nice to him. But he expected the same out of you. So Joey said, I need a private plane. I need uh, $50,000. And, and he gave him a list of all these things. And Frank hung up on him. And that was it. Okay. Joey in 63. Joey was supposed to do Robin in the Seven Hoods. And he was supposed to play Guy Gizmore. And they got uh, Peter Falk to replace him. And Joey was out. And no matter what Joey did to Frank to try to get back in, and he would you know, he would try to cable him or call him, and Frank just really wanted no part of him. Yeah. Now, there is a, another clip on YouTube where Joey's – they must have put it up recently, or maybe six months ago, 1965. I guess he was filling in for Johnny, and, and Dean and Frank come on. So I guess they, for that particular one night, uh, Frank uh, forgave Joey, huh? Do you know what happened there? Yeah, yeah. I saw that. It's a great clip, and it's uh, – It's a long one. It's, it's about a half an hour, 40 minutes of those two guys on the panel. I think, I think Dean dragged them out. And I don't think Dean was, you know, Dean had used Joey later on. on the Joey was Martin on the Dean, Dean Martin show a lot, yeah. At the Dean Martin roast, but the funny thing is, when the Dean, when the, when Dean Martin roast Frank Sinatra, Sammy's there, but there's no Joey to be seen. Right. So I, you know, I I know that Joey had cabled Frank. For Frank, at one time, was uh, doing a film in Hawaii and nearly drowned. And Joey cabled him. He goes, Frank, I thought you could walk on water. You know, and Frank thought that was funny, but there was still like a, a, a distance between Frank and, and and Joey. Like the same thing, Frank broke off with Peter Lawford when uh, Peter Lawford did deliver his brother-in-law to his Palm Springs house. Um, that was the end of Peter Lawford. So that was true you know, then he, that Frank built like the helicopter pad and everything, and 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 the Kennedy said, "No, we're going to go to Bing, Bing Crosby's house." That 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 actually was the true story. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, Dean, Frank had uh, planned for the president to come out. It was a big thing for Frank. And so Frank built this helicopter pad. He built rooms to accommodate the Secret Service, 
and to accommodate meetings, and he really built on to his Palm Springs house. So when Joe Kennedy, the president's uh, father, found out about it, he goes, not going to him. He's associated with Momo Giancana and all. You're not going to, you're president of the United States now. You can't do that. And so he, they left, he, he called Peter Lawford, and he left the job up to Peter Lawford to tell Frank. And Peter knew what was going to happen. So Peter called up Frank, and Frank goes, the next thing you hear, and you're going to slam. <laughs> and that was the end of Peter Lawford. And Frank got, uh, Frank actually got uh, mallets and, and, and started knocking down walls. Wow. He had a massive tantrum and he started knocking down all this construction that was going on. It's really, you know, but the fact is, you know, Joe Kennedy used the Rat Pack to, to get his son elected to right. the President of the United States. Um, back in that 28 day uh, period, um, he wanted he wanted he wanted John Kennedy to be seen with the rapping. He wanted to see seem cool and hip and young. He wanted him to be the opposite of Richard Nixon, the stodgy guy. Even though Richard Nixon and John Kennedy were nearly the same age, he wanted to seem totally different. Yeah. And Joe Kennedy was his master publicist. He knew what to do and how to sell it. So he had John fly in for three days. And from the audience, John was interested. John was there for two shows a night. And John was introduced to the next president. They did a whole thing. And the news cameras were there. And then also, another thing is that Joe Kennedy called up his old uh, bootlegging buddies. And he said, you know, if you want protection in the White House, we'll give it to you. You know, if you're worried about, you know, us coming, you know, the government coming down the neck of Las Vegas, you know, support John and we'll watch out for you. So he had all these guys, which was not the greatest idea, but he had uh, Momo Giancana and Frank Costello and Meyer Lansky, and everybody give a million dollars, and they put it in a satchel, and John Kennedy carried it out of there. Peter Lawford and Sammy Davis Jr. actually looked and saw the money, <laughs> and they carried it out. And, the, and what, what eventually happened was that Joe Kennedy had a stroke, Right. And Bobby Kennedy went after all the mobsters, which, you know, there's all the conspiracy theories of, you know, it angered them. Yeah, that's a whole nother book right there, what, what that what that was all about. But, uh, yeah. yeah, again, going back to those film clips, there is one with uh, JFK at the table with uh, Milton Berle, I think, is on at the table and a couple other people. And they bring, they announce uh, Kennedy, uh, I think Frank says, I'll see you in the White House real soon, something like that. So uh, Yeah, and Frank was, on, they were on the trail. You know, Dean was more like, I don't want to get involved. Dean, Dean didn't want any part of that, from what I understand. No, Dean, they dragged him out in Los Angeles, but he never went to the inauguration. He really wanted, Dean didn't care about politics. He wanted to be out in the golf course. Yeah. He didn't want to, he didn't want to uh, get involved in, in, in either direction because he just didn't care about politics. And you couldn't buy Dean. You just could not, no one could buy Dean. Dean did whatever he wanted to do. And Dean was the ultimate and cool. And you know what? You, you talk to Dina, and Dina will tell you that on stage, Dean was drinking apple juice. Right. Dean was disciplined. I mean, you know, Dina tells this great story about Dean Smith. He has this party at his house in Beverly Hills, and Jeannie's throwing this gigantic party. And Dean, at 8 o'clock, checks out of the party, goes upstairs, gets into his pajamas, and turns on, he loves to watch Westerns. And he's watching <laughs> Westerns. And he hears all this noise coming from downstairs, and he's really irritated. So he calls up the Beverly Hills police, 
and it reports his own party. Yeah. And they get raided. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's watching Western. And he has his own party raided. <laughs> Talking with Richard A. Lertzman. Again, the name of the book is Deconstructing the Rat Pack, Joey the Mob and the Summer. We'll just touch on a couple other things because you want people to read the book. But uh, Joey Bishop, again, uh, had his own talk show kind of going before where we talked about uh, he was a, a guest host for Johnny, but he had a talk show. Of course, Regis Philbin was his Ed McMahon for about two years. Now, there's some clips of that. Not much. I, I didn't really find too much to, to watch of that. I'd heard about it. Uh, it did not do well, obviously, in the ratings, but uh, that was kind of the end of his real exposure. I guess he did some guest TV shots after that, like you talked about, with some game shows and occasionally on the Dean Martin roast. But that was kind of the end for him, wasn't it, as far as uh, regular television? It was. He had, he lasted about nearly three years on, on, on the talk show. It did okay, but it wasn't like a Tonight Show. Yeah. We interviewed Regis Philbin, and this was one of Regis's first uh, big uh, national uh, plays. And you know, Regis wasn't you know off the record. He wasn't a big fan of Joey. Um, he didn't want to go on the record. He just had a few. Yeah, I never heard that, him but, rip Joey uh, in any interview, so he, he was always kind of classy about that. But off off camera or off mic, he, he didn't off, like him, huh? Yeah, off camera, and, and he promised me, and I talked to him just about a year before he died, and, you know, uh, he had told a friend of mine, Bobby Slayton, who played Joey Bishop oh, in the sure, Rat Pack right. movie. So Bobby Slayton said, Can you, he told Regis, he goes, give me one word about Joey. <laughs> he said, what? And Regis said, one word, one word. Okay, evil. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that, <laughs> and and that was it. I mean, you know, but but Regis was a classic guy and didn't want to look like he's going to bite the hand that fed him. The things I do for that little Jewish kid. Look at the funniest feeling I should be walking on hot coals. I don't know why. Howdy, John. Hi, Joey. May I have a nice round of applause, ladies and gentlemen, for Johnny Mann and his merry men. Sammy was on the show Tuesday, and he said, I'll be back Friday if you wear a jacket that I'll have made for you. I think the guy did a nice job in two days, don't you? <laughs> oh, I just found out that uh, here in California, we are number one in two more areas. We have more supermarket carts stolen than any other state, and we have more elderly ladies than any other state, so you little old ladies, you gotta stop swiping them carts. <laughs> Clear. You do have pep, John. You really do. I watch you during rehearsal. You are absolutely magnificent. I mean that sincerely. Thank You're you. so full of life. Effervescent, always bubbly. To him, the flight of the bumblebee is a ballad. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I would now like you to meet another hippie. <laughs> are you all set? Regis Philbin. Yeah. 
unbutton the top. I haven't buttoned so many buttons since I was a kid. Yep. <laughs> Are you getting it okay? And the un then unbutton the bottom one and you're all set. Yeah, but yours is class. I mean, yours was made to We fit. didn't have time. I wish we'd have had time, really. We went up, we walked up Vine Street the other day. Right. And it came to him just like that. You gotta have a jacket, too. So we went in one of those mod shops and... It was like a father picking out an Easter Day suit for his son. I had to try everything on. It had to be just my right color, right? So here I, I think it looks very handsome. See? Pretty flowers? No flowers for you. <laughs> Go buy a kid a gift. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Oh, really, no. it's, it's pretty smart. I feel kind of so. slick. The bees look great. The what? Oh, the, the bees. bees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The what? You're wearing two things. What else do you <laughs> Yes. Do you feel any different? It is, it is a good feeling. It's a nice feeling. Yeah. I don't know if I wore it over and over, you know, but yeah. to wear it for a change, it's, it's not bad. Is that the new shirt you bought, too? It's a shirt with a stand-up oh, collar. Oh, he's, coming, he's coming over here. We should have got, got him one. I couldn't got... let this go. Uh, <laughs> it's nothing stupendous, but I just have to say that you fellas look darling. <laughs> I hate is a guy with a short jacket and a big mouth. <laughs> I do feel a little funny now that he said it. So do I. Let's get Sammy out here fast. Then we'll feel normal. That's right. Well, okay. as everybody knows, yes. and I guess we've had the biggest ticket order we've had in the history of the show for tonight's performance, right? Everybody's I think so. been after tickets. So he's here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Sammy Davis Jr. Good. Yeah. He brought uh, his co-star from the picture. That's right. Salt and pepper. Yes. Another old right? pile of yours. Peter Lawford Peter is here. Peter Lawford. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who else? Uh, let's see. Oh, Dean. One of Dean's pretty young daughters is here. Dina. Dina Martin. Yes, and she is pretty young girl. Isn't she? She's adorable. Oh, yeah. She is. Right. So far, it's a real hip show. Hey, I want to tell you, I feel like we're just at the right time, too. You know, we can leave here and go right to the ranch market and not be suspicious. <laughs> we get those gallons of wine they're selling for 89 cents a gallon. <laughs> we do that already. What? If during the course of wearing that coat, you top me once more, the coat goes back. <laughs> Is that clear? Oh, and Sammy brought. Yes. His protege, a fine, well, fine singer. I just want to say one thing. Yeah. He is Sammy's protege, and if tonight he does good, he yeah. automatically becomes Frank's protege. Move through the ladder. Oh, yes. yes. Bob Silver is Bob here, Silver. ladies and gentlemen. Yes. That's it. Oh. That's it. You do. I don't like the way these flap out. See, yours don't You don't have to worry about that. Look you like just get caught in the rain one day, it'll be a nice normal jacket again. Eight dollars I paid for that. And I got a baseball bat and sneakers. What do you like want to do now? Flaps out like that. It's supposed to. That's yours. Don't flap out. What do you mean flap out? Well, look at this. It's not right. This is nationwide television. Well, yours is perfect. See. Turn around. Let me see yours. Oh. Oh, yours is there. Yours is sharp. Well, yours is great too. You've got a vent down the middle, but mine. Well, turn around. Out. See, yours is in case you get angry. You say, I don't need your job. <laughs> Let's go. 
show is still on? <laughs> we'll be right back after this word from our good friends at Claro. He means it, folks. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, what is it? But Joey went at the end of the talk show. You know, he did some Las Vegas, but he wasn't a headliner. Joey's an opening act. But Joey was now pushed as a headliner. No one wanted Joey as a headliner. So that dried up for him. He did the match game. He did some Hollywood squares. Right. Um, but for the next 40 years, he became very obscure. He had money. He had Ed Hookstrat, who was one of Johnny's. Uh, he he uh, invested well. I was surprised very, reading your book how well he or somebody invested for him, but he really did well, huh? He, he ended up with, his estate was over $10 million. Yeah. Um, he, lived in, he lived in an okay uh, condo in, in Lido, uh Isle up at, near Newport Beach. So he did okay, um, and he lived good, but um, he, he, he really was bitter at the end. And when I got to know him, he was just very bitter that everybody had forgotten him. You know, he, he, his whole thing was that I, he was the spoke of the wheel. He was the glue that held the rat back together. And I did have a heart to say, Joey, it's Frank, Dean, and Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're a good straight man, but it ain't you. It's, it's, it's this, the, such, you know, those, those three talents were, were, they're so amazing, so magnetic. And they, they still resonate to this day. And, you know, Sammy, there's not a lot of, film besides, you know, the Rat Pack and some other stuff. But Sammy, if you see him on, saw him on stage, he was such an unbelievable talent. And Dean had such a great voice and was so cool and knew how to handle an audience. And he was great on stage. And Frank was in a league of his own. Always a pleasure now, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) It's a great pleasure to introduce Mr. Joey Bishop. Joey was a little late getting here. He was in Johnny Carson's garage loosening Johnny's brakes. <laughs> One of my favorite comedians, Mr. Joey Bishop. When they asked me to appear on the dais for Don Rickles, I said, I don't know what to say about Don Rickles. And they said, say whatever you want to say. Okay, Don Rickles is a bedwetter. (laughs) (laughs) Not only the bed, everywhere. (laughs) He's the only one on the base with a rubber tuxedo. I really, in my heart, I must say, I cannot believe we're paying tribute to him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we've had big names here. Then <laughs> we go to him. Or who we honoring next week? Prickly Heat? <laughs> I don't believe this. Gonna honor somebody. I don't know a man like Dr. Jonas Saul. <laughs> a man who helps fight diseases. Why are we honoring a carrier? <laughs> and he's known for his hostility. And I ask you, from the bottom of my heart, what has he to be hostile about? What can a short, paunchy, bold, old, ugly person possibly have to be hostile about? <laughs> to be happy 
devil. <laughs> does have a great sense of humor. I mean, not on stage. I'm talking about practical jokers, number one. You remember the time you took the safety belt off of Mickey Rooney's toilet seat? <laughs> Remember that? And Mickey almost drowned. <laughs> then I found out, and this was the shocker, because I know you don't gamble in Vegas. You don't go to the track. I found out you're a bingo addict. I called your wife, Barbara. I said, Barbara, what is Don really like? And she said, every night, bingo. Sure, you all know why we are here, because we love this gentleman. Don Rickles is a fine person, a great entertainer, a wonderful father, and a great husband. In spite of what he says on stage, I know in, in my heart that it's really a good egg, and you all know where eggs come from. Did you get the the sense, and I think it's from reading the book, uh, like you said, I think bitter is the good word that you just use. Uh, used. Did, did he have any side of him that was kind of a soft side that, that you could find? I mean, he couldn't have been all bad, right? I mean, or was no, he? No, he, <laughs> he was an interesting guy. He could come back very quick on, on stories. Um, he had like a very sardonic and sense of humor. Yeah. He, he was, a, he was a, a, a seasoned comic. He knew what he was doing. You know, he just, he... It was, was which surprised us was was that he had kicked around for twenty five years before he got to the rap pack, and when he got to the rap pack, you'd think he'd be more appreciative of how hard it was to get there. Mm. And his head got very swelled very quickly, and he thought, you know, we we interviewed Abby Dalton for the book. And oh she yeah, did great the, story uh, in there about yeah, right. And she passed away just uh, last week. Oh, she did? Nice oh, I, didn't, I didn't see that. Oh, I'm sorry to hear Yeah, that. she passed away, and it was so nice that her daughter, Catherine Kinmont, included our book in her obituary. Yeah. And we spent a lot of time with Abby, and Abby said they wanted to turn her to the next Mary Tyler Moore. Because when they did the Joy Bishop show, the big show for Sheldon Leonard and Danny Thomas was Dick Van Dyke. Right. So they said, go over and watch, go over and watch the Dick Van Dyke show. We want you to try to be like Mary Tyler Moore to Joy Bishop. And she came back to Sheldon Leonard. She said, Sheldon, I'll tell you one thing. You know, Dick Van Dyke's great. Mary Tyler Moore's great. But I can't be Mary Tyler Moore to Dick, to Joey Bishop because Joey Bishop can't sing. He can't dance. And he's not <laughs> Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, there was <laughs> no, uh, no sexual chemistry between the two of those characters. In the, well, in the she said they gave her lines. Yeah, they gave her lines like, yes, dear, no, yeah. dear. Joey kind of sucked the lines out, um, and he and he tried to instead of being more like Jack Benny, where Jack was like the center of everything and right. of the jokes. Joey liked to be the funny one, and it just didn't work out that way. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear about. It. I usually keep up with that. I did not see that she passed. I'm sorry to hear about that. But she was she was always a favorite. I remember her on the Hollywood Squares. It was the first time I ever saw she her. Was, yeah. yeah, she 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 had been on Hennessy and won the uh, yeah. Emmy, and then she did. Falcon Chris for uh, a number of years. Right, in, after in, that. Uh, yeah. Well, we want to give the folks a chance to obviously read the books. There's 
tons more stories than we just touched on uh, with uh, Richard tonight. But, again, the name of it is Deconstructing the Rat Pack, Joey, the Mob, and the Summit Course, talking about uh, Joey Bishop and uh, Richard A. Lertzman. Of course, Lon Davis also wrote it with you. And uh, a real pleasure talking to you. Richard, do you have a website you want to direct? I know it's on all the sites, I guess. We'll have a link as well. But do you have a website you want to direct people to? Well, we have a site called thelifeandtimesofhollywood.com, and they can go visit that. And there's stories. And if they want to buy it, they can buy it at Barnes & Noble or Walmart or uh, Books a Million or uh, at Amazon. It's on all the websites. It's a book or Kindle. Great. I know I could do hours of this, but we got to let you go because uh, we have to go eat and sleep. But uh, real pleasure hearing <laughs> these stories. I, I love these stories. I mean, you could talk hours about uh, just these four guys, even just the three guys, if you just want to do Frank, Dean, and Sammy. I mean, there's... Hours and hours of stories there. But what are you working on next? Uh, another showbiz book I, that you can talk about? I'm doing a, I'm doing a book on, on a comprehensive biography of Jerry, of Jerry Lewis. Oh, great. Looking forward to that. So yeah. we're going down that, that line and kind of fits right in with these guys. So Definitely have you back on uh, ne- next year. You think it'll come out? Yeah, next year it's going to be out. Well, we'll definitely get, let, let me know when, when it does, and uh, we'd love to have you back. There's a complicated man. I'm sure you already found that out. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a dark story, Doug. It, we need a few hours for that one. Oh, man. Yeah. F- fascinating guy and uh, sort of a semi, I guess, part of the Rat Pack. Not really, but he was friends with Frank. And, of course, he teamed with Dean for a while. But he stayed fr- friends with Frank uh, throughout all that, didn't he? He was friends with Frank. And he, he also appeared with Sammy. Sammy, too, right. They, yeah. did, they did yeah. an act for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, he was he was friends with all of them. And, and, and even he was friends with Dean toward the end, you know, for, for a lot of years. I guess they got back together. Well, we'll talk about that when the book comes out, but we want people to get this one about uh, uh, the Rat Pack and Joey. And Richard, pleasure talking to you. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we will keep in touch and talk to you soon. Thanks, Doug. Stan Brock. 30 years ago, I formed Remote Area Medical to help people overseas. But then we found generations of families in America isolated by poverty from the health care they need. Together, we can take dental, vision, and medical help to a million adults and their kids right here at home in the United States of America.